0: Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to The Four Persons Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are your enthusiastic and faithful Catholic apostolate. For more information about what we do, go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog site at thefourpersons.net. To call in tonight with your comment or question, dial 515 515 515 Six zero two ninety six fifty five. The number again is five one five six zero two nine six five five. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. Something went crazy with the switchboard. Welcome to this Saturday night and, and our special taking it to the streets program with Terry Delp. Want to get two pieces of business out of, um, out of the way. First of all, we are a 501 C three nonprofit and we do not claim to have any rights to that song. Um, so we, we play it because it fits in the theme of, uh, uh, the theme of what the song is about. We don't make any money off of playing that song. We don't claim to have any rights to it. So, the other thing is that um, a uh, apostolate, or if you want to call it, a blog, a radio show that we used to be affiliated with, um, and no longer are. Either one of us are, is claiming. Terry Delp as one of their own Now, Terry, I don't want to bring you in the middle of our whirlwind So I will uh, not ask you to embellish I will not ask you to, you know, get in the middle of this fight or anything Um, Just very, very clearly state for the record That you are a member of the four persons And you are in no way, shape, or form Affiliated with Donald Hartley's group, Deeper Truth Is that correct?
1: Well, yes, I, I never I never was officially a member with Deeper Truth. I was a guest on the show uh, uh, several times. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm not upset with the repost or anything, but I am not um, technically a member of Deeper Truth, no. All
0: right. I appreciate that. And what you are is my brother in Christ and the guy spearheading a program here that I very much – uh, believe in um, you, Terry. You to me, you're the gospel. I mean, you're the gospel. You're you're the man that was that was lost and is now found. You're the man that was blind uh, and, and now sees. And and I, I'm the same. I'm the same thing. And um, you have credibility when you reach out to people who have gone through some bad things in their life, gone through some dark times in their life. You have credibility. You're no longer speak you you don't speak down to them. You speak to them as one that uh hey brother, I was where you are. Found my way out of the dark and and I uh, I can show you how you can find your way out of the dark and you're going to tell your story tonight, right? You're going to give your testimony and and uh and and hopefully people will be inspired by you know where you've come from and and where you are now, and then where you're going. So go ahead and uh, take it away.
1: Yes, sir. This is a uh, this is my conversion story, and uh, I just want to tell everybody where I came from, and uh, so. <clears throat> Um, and uh, again, like I, I've been on other platforms as guests, uh, but uh, this is the first platform where I've been giving my own show, and I want to thank you, John Benko, for uh, uh, making that happen for me. I appreciate it. Um, before I get started, I need to say two things.
0: First, well, before before you continue, I just I I, I want to respond to that, and the reason why I gave you your own show. Is because you and I you and I see eye to eye on the fact that the mission is not about us. It's not about John, it's not about Carrie. It's bigger than us. And I know that you see that and that's very, very important to me. So go ahead and please continue.
1: All right. Well uh first I wanna say because as I get into the story I I don't want sympathy or people to look at me as, as some sort of victim. I'm I'm I am not a victim. Okay, I made the choices that that set my my life and the different avenues that it went down from the very beginning. I am I am not a victim. I might I might fit into a bunch of the categories that our culture might put into a box and and label a victim of society, but but I'm not a victim. Um, I mean, I, I never met my biological father. That doesn't make my biological father responsible for any of the decisions that I've made in my life. In my early years, my, my mom was living hand to mouth, and I can remember being so hungry at times that, that my head would hurt. Being hungry and impoverished may have set the circumstances for some of the choices I made, but I made those choices. I made them. I was schooled in the streets. Uh, by gang members from the time I was like eight, nine years old. And I made the decision, I made the decision to join that gang when I was 14. I mean, contrary to popular belief, uh, gangs don't have a draft system set up. They don't draft people into a gang. I made the decision to join the gang. And from that point, each decision I made was a calculated uh, uh, decision For for a way for me to climb up the ranks in the gang, the violence and the chaos I brought to the table was not due to some psychological disorder. It was premeditated. There was a decision I made uh, uh, status in the gang, in in the streets, and, and eventually in prison. My point is I don't want anybody to hear this and think the poor boy never had a chance. I rose to a leadership position among very hard men within four to five years because I had the ability to quickly size up a situation, decide on the most expedient course of action, and follow through on that course of action before most of the grown men around me even knew a situation existed. If I would have put those same talents and intellect into making better choices, into making better decisions, my life would have been an entirely different story altogether. I'm responsible. I am responsible with one caveat, and herein lies the shocker. My choices and decisions were extreme. Jesus Christ was not my king. The gang was. Many love to hear these extreme conversion stories, how a gangster turned to God or you know whatnot, but in reality... There are many, many men and women whose souls are headed in the exact same direction that my soul was headed in, in the in the web of Satan's army and doing his bidding. They might not be as extreme as I was, but their failure to accept Jesus Christ as their King puts them in the same boat that is sailing on a one-way trip to hell, and and no one else is responsible for their decision to stay on that boat, even though it might not seem like an extreme case, when you're looking at the consequence of eternity, man, that's that's, that's pretty extreme. And each and every one of us are responsible for the decisions we make. And the decisions we make, they, they plot the course of our entire life, especially as young men and women, whether towards eternal destruction or eternal paradise. Um, secondly, I wanted to say I am currently rewriting, I'm almost finished rewriting uh, my my life story uh, book to include the last 12 years that I, well, now it's like 14 years that I've been out. And I'm trying to edit out as much of the vulgarity that I can without taking from the story. It's it's, it's a complex, because uh, when you live a life of vulgarity, it's, it's kind of hard to tell the story with with without it um but i have about 150 copies left of the of the current version which i i emphasize is not appropriate for children and if you wish to obtain a copy you can just send a copy to uh a, a, i'm mean, a comment to fourpersons.com and uh and i'll reach out to you and try to uh you know work something out with you um and i'm going to fast forward through most of my earlier years um because I don't think I can cover everything in one hour. Um, I was first incarcerated at around nine years of age uh, for assaulting uh, the principal at my school. I was too young to go to the Texas Youth Commission, uh, which is basically a prison for juveniles back then. Uh, So they put me in the child psychiatric ward of the Austin State Hospital. I mean, (laughs) it was a crazy house. It, it, it was, people there had real mental problems. Um, and I, and I, I adapted as I would learn to do throughout the rest of my life. This started an in and out sort of routine of what I like to call the cycle of captivity. I ended up in Brownwood State School when I was 12, I was the youngest and smallest kid there. And I probably got into more fights than anybody else on on that entire facility. Um, I landed in Giddens State School when I was like fourteen. Um, that's the only state school in Texas for violent offenders at that time. Anyway, um, I had been being groomed for the gang since I was like nine years old, and it was while in Giddens State School in December of 1987 that I was officially initiated into the gang. Within a few months, I had recruited like over 30 guys to uh, to join the gang. I orchestrated a, a variety of ways for us to make money and, and use our, our numbers and willingness to mob on, you know, entire cottages uh, in school or at the cafeteria to make others fear us and leave us alone. Uh, I was supposed to do one year in Giddens, I got out right before my 18th birth. I was out like maybe nine months or so, and within that nine months, I did some things that caught the attention of uh, some of our shot callers in Chicago, and after successfully handling some sticky situations for them, I was given leadership over Texas at the age of 18. I was soon arrested for two counts of aggravated robbery and two stolen cars. And I was given two 20-year sentences for the robberies and two 10-year sentences for the cars. But they were all running together, which means I had a 20-year sentence. Uh, I had to serve five years in order to be eligible for pro. I ended up serving 18. Uh, the Texas State Prison in 1991 was probably, no, was certainly the most racist place I had, I had ever seen in my life. Um, I wasn't prepared for it. My, my organizational affiliation, it did not fit anywhere into the prison society. Because I refused to be controlled by the rules of any society, I found myself in a fight sometimes four or five times a day. In 1993, on the French Robinson unit, I fought uh, one of the enforcers of a Hispanic gang, and I, I knocked him out. The next day, he tried to uh, he tried to stab me. And I took the shank from him and stabbed him 21 times. I was placed in administrative segregation and charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. I did three years in segregation, and there are a lot of stories I could tell you about segregation on the French Robinson unit between 1993 and 1996. In fact, I probably should get into that in one of our future episodes because that was a madhouse. And the officers often used the, the, the caged-in day room as a a gladiator spot, and they would bet on the fights between the inmates. I got out of segregation in 1996 and was sent to All Red Unit, another maximum security prison. Up until this time, I had represented my gang by myself, but while in seg, I had decided when I got out, I would begin recruiting members. Uh, To my surprise, when I got to All unit, there was already a large population of one of the gangs with which mine was allied with, and I was no longer on my own. I had gotten into a fight on close custody and and the guy ripped my shirt off. And when he seen my tattoo, he paused out of fear and surprise. I didn't know why, but it it gave me the opportunity and, and I knocked him out. That night, I received what is known as, as kites. I received a bunch of them. They're like little notes from other members of the gang telling me to go to the rec yard the next day. Um I I recruited one of the guys uh named Peanut, who by the way is now becoming Catholic, uh and, and he recruited several more and within a year we had a a, a movement going <clears throat> completely changing the rules of prison Society we recruited members of of all races, and our only qualification was courage and loyalty um there There are a lot of men who can fight well but 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 they're cowards at heart, and i didn't really care if they could fight well or not uh, if not, I could train them how to fight I just needed I just needed to know that they would fight against overwhelming odds that they had the courage to to fight knowing that they're going to lose, and those are the people I began to recruit. I was uh, sent to B-01 in 1998, myself there. Um, I want to add that at this time I knew that I should have been killed countless times. Up to this point, I chalked it all up to good l- luck. The uh, Catholic services on B-01 had absolutely no guards or any form of security at all. I began using this venue to hold gang meetings, but I realized that at any time this could be shut down due to the chaos and disruption that was occurring during the services. I got with other gang leaders, and we began to, uh, we began to enforce security. Uh, meetings were held before and after services, and during service, silence was enforced through the threat of, uh, of very real violence. Um, So As crazy as it sounds During the services All that could be heard was the voice of Father Harold Paulson Many times It it, it seemed like he was talking Directly to me I I began to realize that, that My good fortune of not having been Killed was not due to luck But due to the mercy And grace of God And the more I listened to this Father, the more closer I got to the truth. As I searched throughout my past, I was able to see that the number of times I escaped the clutches of death could not possibly be attributed to luck. No one, and no one is that lucky. We set up our CIA classes and and I began to ask questions of the Father and he had answers that made real sense, answers to every question, without looking at a book or anything. I mean, as fast as I could throw the question at him, he could answer. It was it was here that I learned God can use a crooked stick to draw a straight line, and I know you all going to hear me say that many, many times because this is where I learned the truth of that. I was baptized into the Catholic Church, in November of uh, 2001 I had an issue that never before had occurred to me I had created a monster and I was the head of it I carefully tried to to ride the fence I had my boys stop you know going to the big uh meetings with our allied gangs and and we curtailed our money making endeavors so that nothing we we were doing was actually illegal although some of what we did was definitely not within the rules um we greeted the other allied gangs with love and respect but for the most part we did not involve ourselves with gang activities that is why when i went to the recreation yard to lift weights one day i was completely ignorant that a major situation was brewing my counsel was requested and um uh, and so you know i went over to the to the fence you know we were talking through uh several different um and uh, my counsel was requested and and i and i gave it you know um before long uh you know talking back and forth through the fence <clears throat> a uh a major uh riot a major riot uh, took off. It, was, it started off with one of our guys and one of the other guys supposed, su- supposed to be doing a, a one-on-one, man-on-man, and that was going to be the end of it. But it erupted quickly into a full-scale riot. Over 400 men were involved. My instincts took over, <clears throat> and I was caught on camera. In the disciplinary hearing, I told the captain I had absolutely no idea what was going on. And I, I just found myself in the middle of it. He showed me the video footage, and I could see how it looked like I was the ringleader. I was placed in segregation again where I stayed for another year and a half. Um, I ain't going to lie. This is probably the best thing that happened to me as far as my faith is concerned. I used the cell as a monastery. Father Harold Paulson brought me volumes of books to read. Heard my confession every week and brought me the Blessed sacra- Sacrament every week. Uh, my faith grew in leaps and bounds, and I prayed to God right before I was getting out of SEG. And I, you know, I was like, Lord, you know me. I want to believe that I could turn the other cheek, but I'm not so certain that I can do that. Um, I had been on maximum security units the entire time I was in prison. When I got out of SEG... They sent me to Ramsey, too. This is a miracle. Uh, There's no way a guy with my jacket should have been approved to go to a medium or minimum security unit. The chaplain there was Deacon Simon, a Catholic chaplain. And it was while at this unit that I became involved with the Brothers of St. Dipsness, of which uh, I I eventually became the, the president over the Houston chapter. Uh, I met Deacon Light and Deacon Denny from St. Maximilian Kobe. I earned my associate's degree and started making decisions that led to me making parole in 2009. And uh, I'd like to say that it was smooth sailing from there. You know, I'd like to say that, yeah, yeah that, you know, everything turned around for me and I got out and to make the right decisions. Um, I paroled to San Antonio and I began attending Saint Gregory the Great Catholic Church. Um, I was with a prayer group in front of an abortion clinic, and I needed a place to park my car. So I asked the cashier at the gas station, and she said yes. And after prayer, I'd go in and I'd talk to her. And before before I knew what was going on, I, I was I was in mortal sin. And it's like once once you fall into mortal sin, it it And unless you immediately recognize it and go to confession and repent, uh, it it just it it robs you of your faith uh, if you continue in it. Um, I still went to church and I still prayed and everything, but I was in I was in mortal sin. Sin sin is a cancer that destroys the soul. Um, From there, it was just it was easy for me to start selling marijuana and pharmaceuticals, but I wasn't completely lost. I held held down two jobs, and and I sold drugs on the side, and um, I met another woman, and and my conscience was really eating away at me. So we got married. um, Now, I wasn't really up on my knowledge of the Catholic faith, so when we got married, she was Catholic, I was Catholic, but we got married to the justice of the peace. As you can see, the devil was playing games in my in my life, and I was making decisions that played right into his hand. Um, I ended up moving back to Houston after I got off parole in 2011. I went to an axe retreat hosted at uh, St. Maximine Covey. Went to confession and once again began trying to uh, live my life for Christ. I was working as a, a materials testing technician, and um And, you know, like I said, I just tried to turn my life around. uh, But I was still dibbling and dabbling in the sale of uh, marijuana. Uh, I justified it in my head that it's, you know, it's a recreational drug, no worse than alcohol. You know, all of the the things that that, uh, people say to justify living in sin. Uh, I met Loretta, and uh, she was going to church with me. Uh, We went through RCIA. And we got engaged. Uh, one night, and this is kind of like the turning point that really got me on the right track. I was I was selling a quarter of about $800 worth of uh, marijuana when a guy grabbed me from behind. Uh, I threw my head backwards, striking him in the face. And as, as he fell, I began fighting with the other three. All of them were armed with guns. I pinned one guy on the ground and began to beat him while the other three kicked and hit me. Uh, Someone hit me in the back of my head with the butt of a pistol, which kind of knocked me silly for a second. As they were leaving, the last guy pointed the gun at my head, about six foot from where I was kneeling on the ground, and he muttered crazy before he took off running. This was God showing me that I was wrong. Nothing is worth my freedom, and no amount of money is worth my life especially when I, I knew I was in sin. The end of my life would have meant the beginning of eternity in hell. I, again, went to confession, and I have never looked back at that life since then. That was oh almost nine years ago. Um, I realized that Satan would use any means at his disposal to, to convince us to commit mortal sin and then take our life. When I go back to the hood now, it is to bring the light of Jesus Christ to everybody to which I come in contact with. I began attending Saint Maximian Kobe, and uh, later um, 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 uh, the the church in uh, Magnolia. Um, and and uh, Loretta and I got married, and, and in the same all in the all in the same day. I do want to. Um, add uh my my previous marriage was null and void due to a lack of canonical form loretta was baptized received uh confirmation uh did first confession received communion and holy matrimony all in one day um on the job i've worked my butt off and and uh threw myself into the ministry, you know, volunteering my extra time to help ex uh ex convicts reintegrate into society. Um and I uh I'm now working with uh, Tiger Brain Engineering. Um I I got a pretty good gig. I travel all over the world where I can share the light of Christ with strangers everywhere I go. Um <clears throat> I'm uh I I've done i my my life has turned around a lot. I'm I'm really uh involved with the Kobe House, with the Brothers of Saint Dismas, and now with the fourpersons.com with this ministry taking it to the streets, sharing how um you know, how to share the the light of Jesus Christ and the true teachings of the one holy catholic and apostolic church to those that we come in contact with, you know. Um I, I still keep in contact with, with brothers and sisters and um, that find themselves trapped in that, that gang culture. And I do my best to advise them to make the right choices, to avoid bloodshed. And I do all I can to demonstrate what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And when possible, if they align themselves with Christ the King, how how they too can change their life around you. not just their life here on earth, but the one that counts, because this life here on earth ain't nothing but a blink of an eye. I'm talking about that eternity that really counts. And um, I have a YouTube channel. I haven't really been posting too many videos because I've been so busy at work. But my YouTube channel, Break the Cycle, Beat the Odds, uh, it shows others how to live a good uh, Catholic life out here dedicated to Christ the King, even if you've been uh, incarcerated before, um and I I, I I also like to go out of my way and show people how to um, the steps necessary to take here in society once they they come out of prison, you know how to write an application, what jobs they need to be looking for, how to how to manage a checking account, and so on and so forth. And uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. John. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh,
0: yes, sir. The switchboard's just giving me fits tonight. <laughs> it I <just, laughs> uh, click the microphone on and it doesn't want to. It doesn't want to go on. So, anyway, um, I know that you have talked about how um, you know you're not the same person that you were back then, and and that, and that gives you credibility when you um, reach out to people who've gone through some of the same kind of things that that you you've gone through. But I want to kind of flip the script a little bit and ask how it's gone from the other side. When um, you take somebody that's that's in the position like you've been in, been incarcerated for a, a for a long period of time, how, how difficult is, is it to find people, to find employers, what have you, that are willing to take that chance, willing to take that that risk to give that person a second chance? Is that has that been a hard obstacle to overcome?
1: So, if you're still on pro, yeah, it's difficult. It's it's, it's uh it's difficult. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you, and 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 I, if you get involved in the construction industry, uh, that's the best place for an ex ex convict to go. Start as a laborer. Yeah, you're not gonna get a lot of money, but you could start as a laborer, and within a year, she. <laughs> you can move up the ladder within a year. If you apply yourself, you're constantly seeking knowledge. You're, you know, you're telling your lead guy, Hey, teach me how to use the dozer. Teach me how to use the skid loader. Teach me how to run this equipment. Because once you go from laborer to a uh, uh, equipment operator, that's like, that's like ten fifteen $15 an hour difference, you know, mm-hmm. if not more. Um and, if you can get on, it's a little bit more difficult when you're on parole. Uh, but if you can get in with a big uh, organization and, and they give you a chance, and you show them that uh, that you're a sponge and you're soaking up the knowledge and, and you're 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 uh, you're willing to learn, I mean, you can learn how to do a lot of that stuff within a year. And uh, and I got one guy on with Williams Brothers. Uh, Brother Doug from the Brother Saint. Dismas, he was at the Kobe house, and uh, he started off as a laborer. Within a year, he was—I he, I, believe—he he, within a year he was like a lead man, and now, if I'm not mistaken, he's a, a a foreman with the same company. You know, uh, he just got in and 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 just climbed up the ladder. The same thing with me. I got in to construction um, as a laborer. Then I, I I started materials testing. Then I became an inspector. And, and and now I'm I, – I mean, this is like the best company I've ever been with. Um, when you get off of parole, especially like if you did a lot of time in prison and uh, like more than seven years, most companies only go back seven years. If you're on parole, that's going to show up on your background check. But mm-hmm. if you've been – if you went to prison like, say, uh, I did in 1991 and you got out in 2009, when you get off parole – I got off parole in 2000. Uh, 11. When you get off parole, that's not going to show up on your background check. And so a lot of times when they ask, and I, and I, I go through this uh with people about filling out applications. I ask them, well, how long has it been since your, your your last uh uh felony? And if it's been over seven years, I tell them, you know what, you leave that blank. If they got a question, they can come ask you. You know what I'm saying? Just leave it blank. Don't answer yes or no. Just leave it blank uh of course, if they ask you why you left it blank then then explain it, you know what I'm saying, but yeah, just don't give 'em no 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 reason to throw your stuff in the trash can you know mm-hmm. uh it it can be difficult to get a job uh but there there's so many jobs out there, and uh if you're willing to start at the bottom and climb your way up the ladder, um one of the things I do tell people though i I tell uh guys that's getting out of prison and they you know they ain't got no skills or whatnot. I tell them, look, man, don't hire on at McDonald's. Don't go look for a job. I mean, if if that's all you can get, and you're doing it for a month or two until you find something better, okay, but don't make that your career because you can only get so far. And a manager at McDonald's does not make that much money. You know, um, I tell them to get into things that they know how to do. You know if. If you if you've tinkered with cars then you need to get into a a, a mechanics get your uh, mechanic certification. If you uh if you know absolutely nothing, the construction is the best the best avenue to go because you can get into construction as a laborer, they'll put a shovel in your hand and uh and you can learn how to run that equipment real quick and become an equipment operator. And then from equipment operator, become a lead man. Then from lead man, become a foreman. And then from foreman, become a superintendent. Uh, tell guys.
0: If somebody wants to help out um, the, the organizations that you're involved in, like the Colby House, how do they do that? Uh,
1: Hold on. Let me look at this message so I don't get it wrong. Uh, I believe it's Colby texas hold on let me tell you i'll tell you right now uh, all right here we go it's uh kobe house texas dot com so it's k o l b e h o u s e t x dot com kobe now, uh, is dot that
0: com is that affiliated? Good. Is that affiliated to the church, or is it set up as a totally private organization?
1: They got their own five hundred one c three, but yes, it, it's a Catholic uh,
0: organization. Okay, but it but it's but it's independent. It's not it's not a subsidiary of the diocese. No, it's not. No. Okay, so it's a Catholic supported organization, but it's not uh, an official. Part of of the diocese, like a like a parish or something like that, but it is a five hundred one c three, which means that any donations are tax deductible. Um, right. With- uh, so I'm not sure how the administration
1: part of it works. I know they got their own five hundred one c three, and um, but Deacon Denny is the the head of that organization, so obviously he follows under he's under the authority of his bishop. Uh, right. I, I'm not sure how that works, though. You know,
0: so it probably works something like the Knights of Columbus, an right, independent right. organization that supports the church, but it's not directly a part of the church. So right, it's right, kind of right. hand in hand. Um, when we had you on an, uh, on a recent episode, we talked about we were going to kind of pursue getting involved with some of the things they that that they. That they do like for instance you you said they make they do silk screen shirts and and things like that have you ever have you been able to make any headway on on that
1: uh, no i haven't i have not uh my uh my my working hours have been uh which is kind of the reason why I did this uh uh wanted to just do my conversion story I didn't have time to call up people and, and get yeah. an actual show you know, uh, together. Um, so I haven't had time, but,
0: um, Uh, I I I feel you brother. I've been working a lot of hours too,
1: (laughs) but I think I sent you Tommy's number and he's the main guy to get in touch with.
0: Okay. We're definitely going to pursue that. That's going to definitely be something that we're that uh, that we're going to be involved in. So, I know you did say that you do have uh, an appointment to go to uh, tonight, so you weren't going to be able to do the show a full hour. So, um, why don't you go ahead and, and and close us with a prayer, and then we'll circle back next Saturday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: Sounds great. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say the prayer. of uh, Saint Michael's uh, prayer. Name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs> um, I'm drawing a blank, brother. Uh, I've been up too long. Saint Michael, the <laughs> archangel, defender in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl throughout the world. Seeking the wound of souls. Amen. Name Amen. The son Amen.
0: Hey, hey, brother, make sure you get some sleep tonight. I, I, Like I said, I feel your pain. I've been working killer hours, too. And you make sure you get some good sleep tonight, okay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God bless. God bless. I'll see you next Saturday. Bye-bye.